cliffcentral.com Progressive, cultured, and brave. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. The Threaded Exchange with C.M.B. Live on Cliff Central. Hello, Mzansi. This is Siabonga Bile, live on Cliff Central, of course, for another installment of The Threaded Exchange. It's about being cultured. It's about being bold. It's about being progressive. And we here in Johannesburg, we are beaming into the world. And I'm very excited to be back, man. You know, last week you took an Easter break weekend. And I hope you're all refreshed. You're all excited. And you're amped to be back. As you know, every single week, I bring you a hot, spicy show where we talk everything creative. We talk everything business and this show is about uplifting young African creators and opening their minds to dreaming bigger. Um, one of the worst things that you know racism has done to this country was kill us mentally, whereas the black African child doesn't see or doesn't believe how far they can make it. And we're here about unlocking that thinking. We are here about raising the mental game in terms of you can do it. If you're sitting there listening to my show today, I'm telling you right now, you can change the world, you can follow your dreams and you can be the best. And today, I've got the best in the game, visual director, photographer, all-round creative. And I could even say probably my one of the most creative people I've ever worked with and probably someone who really – top three people that inspire me in my career and top three that in, top three people that inspire me in life in general. I've got, I've got Ricardo Marcus Knipe. I don't know if I said that correctly. <laughs> Did I say that correctly? I keep like I always, I, mean, I always mess up your name. Look, my, my, uh, my name, my photography name really is Ricardo Marcus K. Um, I've always given people a reason to use the K because it's a silent K in my surname. Nipe is yeah. my surname. You did say it correctly, but I've always given people a reason to say the K after school. Yeah. You've been around for a very long time. Um, right now people know you as a photographer and they know you also as the visual director. The Soon man. to yeah. change to another title because you do so much more than just yeah, we expanding. So we're expanding, yeah. yeah. But t- and, and people just always say to me that you've been around forever. You know, well, I mean, just so tell a, me about that journey. How how have you been around forever? You're in a, okay. So in a brief, Ricardo Marcus K it has come across on many names over my career. I mean, I started as Marcus K. I started as Marcus. I went through this phase of just RMK or just Ricardo. Um, but I mean, I started early on in when I was still in high school. I started doing club photography. Uh, it was a way to, for me to get into club when I was in high school, being underage. Um, someone gave me a camera and I just started. I mean, it started there. The love for kind of light and everything that is creating started with, with club and event photography. I moved into PR from that um, and then dabbled in uh, commercial stuff, editorial here and there, portrait works. I mean, I, I got a, an idea and a feel of all the fields in photography that, that will allow, allowed me to kind of explore. Um, and then I moved into editorial work after that. I did some commercial work and now we're sitting where we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But what do you think gave you that? I mean, each time I, I talk to you, you always tell me how, I think that's part of the reason why you and I work well together is that you always tell me how there's so much more we can do. You know, that there's another boundary to break. Not a lot of people have that. You know, most of the time we see successful people and we always think they're just better than us or they're more talented than us. But sometimes it's just a way of thinking to say, actually, I could do much better and putting yourself in that mental space. How did you get that? 
I mean, I came in the industry one of being one of those people that I want to change it. I came in wanting to change everything from the ground up. I wanted magazines to be different. I wanted commercial yeah. industry to be, to be to be different. So I mean, I think a lot of that also comes from my own upbringing of of having no limits in terms of what I was able to do. I mean, my parents allowed me and gave me opportunities to become anything. I mean, in high school I was trying to become a pro golfer. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's so many avenues that we can take, and I was just allowed to explore all of those things. So I know there's no limitation to anything, and especially I, in something I've come to learn in the creative industries, there's no limit. There is no limit to our boundaries to anything in terms of creating and what we can create. Yeah. So I always knew that, and I always thought that there is there's nothing that stops us from becoming three things, and how those three things can kind of merge into one. Yeah. Um, you can be a photographer and a director, and then you can own a company that does chairs. And you can use that space that you've already worked in to expand the furniture space that you're in. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no limit in terms of what you can see for yourself. Amazing. I mean, you started photography at quite a young age. How old were you when you, when you, you were like, okay, I'm going to consciously be a photographer? I mean, photography was supposed to be my backup plan to golf. I was supposed to be a pro golfer in photography, wow. this backup plan that I had. And yeah. then I started it, I think I was about 16 when I first picked up a camera. Um, and then when I turned 19, I just thought I need to, st- I need to put everything into this to, to make it something that could be a backup thing. Yeah. And lo and behold, going into the clubs, partying and all of that just took away everything from golf. You can't be on the golf at 5 a.m. The yeah. golf course at 5 a.m. if you're in the club <laughs> until 4 a.m. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it really took over in a space in my life. Um, which was great. For me, it was really, it was an experience that I'd never regret. Um, I still play golf. I still do all of those other things. Yeah. So, I mean, starting at an early age, I, I actually have a photo when I was five years old, me holding a camera, and it actually looked like an extension of my arm already. It oh, felt wow. natural in my hand. Wow. So, I think it started a lot earlier than I thought it did, but it's been a progression from about 16. Oh wow! So I could say you've been in the industry for over ten years now. You've been I in mean, the photography. I want to say I've been in the industry for seven years. I've been had been shooting for ten. I've been in the industry for seven. What, what's yeah. the difference? I mean, you can shoot if you look at um, even our discussion today. If you look at social media and and just taking photos with your phone, yeah, it's still you. You're technically a mobile photographer. There's yeah. levels to everything and there's levels to every career you do. So, I mean, your entry level. So, I always felt like I was shooting and taking photos, but I was never really a photographer. Yeah. Till the, my first kind of paycheck. Yeah. Let, let's actually get into what now that you've given us uh, a cool background of who you are and what you do. Let's talk about that now. You know, when you started photography, social media wasn't as big as it is. And I could even far go as far as saying that you come not from an old era of photography, but you come from the last pre-years of social media Of sure, photography definitely. And you know You might have said To enter the industry Was probably much harder You know There was no Instagram To show your work off You know There was no social media To push your photography folks. So the I way I ha- it was a lot easier Was it a lot easier I How so I it was a lot easier I mean in those times When you needed Okay the, the internet was there It was just kind of starting out And it was, it was in a stage Where you had a blog Where you could use Spaces like Tumblr Where you could You could have your portfolio online And it was also allowed For more people to see it because it was a, a, a smaller space, if anything. Yeah. There was more people focused on those platforms and more people focused on seeing things in there. With social media, it's such an explosion of content that's happened that it's a lot harder to be seen and noticed now than it was then. Yeah. yeah. Do you think 
then social media has sort of killed the photography game in a sense that now, because there's this huge splurge of social media and of this huge splurge of content, the best photographers are not always on the forefront of using social media to showcase the work. So you get mobile photographers who now get used as photographers for, for campaigns. You know, what's your insight into that? I mean, I feel like there's two parts to that narrative. So, I yeah. mean, there's, there's the, the social media, the explosion, the mobile photography, um, everything that comes with that and that has grown not only, um, people's eye and understanding of photography, but the, the way people look at the world and the way people look at photography. I mean, social media and camera phones have grown so much in terms of the way people see the world and visualize the world. There's a yeah. photographer I used to follow from back in the day, Chase Jarvis. Well, he's still around, but. He, uh, when the iPhone like 4 came out back and when the camera was just developing and becoming great, he, um, made a book called My Best Camera or The Best, The Best Camera. The camera yeah. you always have with you. Yeah. Which is your phone. So I mean, it's, it's given platforms and opportunities to so many people and so many things, mobile photography. And at the same time, the technology has helped pro photographers, um, shoot bit on location. You can now shoot straight on an iPad or a phone. So yeah. you have those opportunities where technology has grown that thing. And on the other side of that, I mean, it's it's tricky because it now means that to become a, a great photographer, you need to step it up to a second level. You need to go beyond just being able to take photos and just being able to take great photos. You need to conceptualize things. You need to bring things into elements into the photograph. And I think the it, it goes both ways in terms of has it grown photography and the industry and the art or has it destroyed it? I think in both parts, there's a little bit to do with each side. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. We're going to get into a very heated debate because I really want to go into social media photography and your take on bloggers and okay. photographers working with bloggers and all that kind of stuff. And also photographers are now becoming influencers. Does that take away from the art of photography? Does that take away the hours from that now that bloggers are now becoming, you know, on the forefront? Um, and Mario Testino is quoted saying that it's cheap and it's a lack, lack of talent for a photographer to become an influencer. Photographers should stick to doing big global campaigns and driving the narrative from behind the lens. But I would assume that Austin and Cedric would strongly disagree with that. So I want to hear your take on it, but we'll be right back right after this. Please do not be afraid to call us on 0861-555-189. You can WhatsApp us on 079-748-2090. You can also WhatsApp us at hashtag the thread exchange, also on Cliff Central. We'll be checking you right after this. My girl been through so much, that's my partner in crime. Touch any of the above, now you harder to find. We back at it on the Threaded Exchange and I'm live with Ricardo Marcus Snipe who is telling us about his journey into photography. Also, we're going to get into an interesting debate about I see you not as a, you know, when I look at Cedric and Austin, they more, not necessarily social media photographers, but they've come into the scene during this social media influencer era and their platform has been working with photographers whereas for you it's very different i feel like your background is more traditional photography more shooting campaigns magazine editorials shooting events and so your entry into the industry is completely different and now for me the debate gets into when you are seeing the social media influencers for now people are becoming photographers because of instagram because of twitter and now people can edit there's risco cam and all this Shit of content that's basically happening. What do you think, or what did you think at the time seeing this happen, and how did you see your role changing within the within the industry? I mean, I, I also came in when it was uh, I wasn't kind of 
thrown into social media because it's something that came for me afterwards. Yeah. Um, I agree with that, that to an extent with that Mario Ticino quote. Um, I do believe that there are parts of photography and parts of what we do that, that get underplayed on social media and underplayed on, on everything like that. Some of the best photographers in the world have a hundred followers on Instagram. Yes. Because the, that's not their focus. That's not what they're trying to drive. Um, with social media guys and everybody who's, I, I applaud them because it's a lot of work. Social media is to keep up the content, to keep up the conversation. It's a lot of work and a lot of maintenance in terms of social media. So, yeah. I mean, I, that's still a way that I see those guys creating a career for themselves. With the other side of that, I mean, becoming a photographer and being a photographer without social media is still something you can achieve. With the new age of social media and, and Instagram and, and having followers and bloggers and, I think it's it's created more opportunities within the space of photography. It's created different opportunities that were never there before. But at the same time, it does dilute um, photography as a whole, as an industry a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it grows at a certain point. For me, and something I also learned recently is that, especially with big commercial clients now, it's not always about the all only the work. It's about your influence that you can bring to the product or to the brand. Which social media is driven. Yeah. So I mean, influencers and social media and bloggers and it's, they're using that influence that they've built to create a career as well that builds and that yeah. brand of them themselves. But as a photographer, I honestly think it's not your job to be an influencer. You're shooting the influencer. But you get what I'm saying? Because you're more than you're a photographer when you're in that space. Yeah. Which I think is a bit problematic. I because mean, the, in for me, if Mario Testino, even Nick Knight yeah. doesn't have social media really, he doesn't actually showcase his work, but he's one of the top Photographers in the, in the world, world And he has shot people Like Travis Scott Incredible work And now I have a cool campaign That I'm shooting And I'm Deciding between Nick Knight And Ricardo the Influencer Are you now telling me I should go for Ricardo the Influencer Instead of the real photographer I'm always going to say Go for the real photographer That's that's my thing yeah, I'm always going to say that But at the same time I think brands think about How far their reach can get yeah. So I mean the, the Having that influence That someone else brings It helps brands But yeah. doesn't necessarily help The work that you're creating I mean the guys Are still creating great work Mobile media mob Are still creating amazing stuff Yeah And they're using that basis And that influence To, to add benefit And add kind of um, Extra for clients To have within that space Yeah But I mean it's, it's also on a scale Of who you're shooting for Are you shooting for Coca-Cola Or are you big brands Or are you shooting for bloggers Are you shooting for smaller brands That want that influence That client Are they using that space In social media To, to gain ground Or are they putting out A big single campaign That's going to run For 12 yeah. months I also think You know it, It's something that I've Realized and discovered In my career Is that one of the first things that I think I knew from a young age and being conscious of being on social media is that like it's easy to be big on social media. You know, but I what could, are you big for on social media? That's the thing. So I feel that, you know, like for example, people even I get criticized, you know, that how did I start off as a blogger and now I have a radio show and now I have all these other avenues of things that I'm yeah. that I'm doing. And people fail to understand that everything that I do actually stems from a vision. And that's my vision for The Threaded Man. And that is about building platforms for young black African creatives. And my show is a platform. I'm not by any means trying to be a radio jockey. My work on Instagram, same thing. The Threaded Man, same thing. For me, everything I do is driven, is driven by a specific purpose. But then in the industry, you do find a lot of people who are not necessarily driven by that purpose, where they just do whatever gig they can get their hands on that makes them famous. And you find that there are people who... Shoot on their phones And use Visco Camp But then they get Praised as photographers 
and then they end up getting campaigns as photographers. And that's where for me it's like, hmm. Yeah. I mean the line for, the line gets a, a bit of, tricky. For a lot of photographers that, that have been in the industry for a while, it's like I've worked all of this time because it's a long it's a long game. I mean yeah. photography is definitely a long shot game. You're not gonna be it's not gonna be ten years, it's gonna be twenty to thirty years. Some of the best photographers in the world are in their late thirties and forties now and started when they were in their early twenties. Yeah. But some of the social media guys that are coming up are a lot younger because they're gaining ground with an audience. And I think it's all about the audience. Yeah. So I mean those are all platforms, but it's about using those platforms. The yeah. older guys that have been in the industry for thirty years, twenty, thirty years, don't need those platforms. But it's I think it it plays on both sides that you as a younger photographer, don't focus on it, but it's something that you need. Especially yeah. in this age. It is social media and it's something that you have to use and you have to kind of take advantage of now. Because it's also gonna change. Our social media patterns and everything are gonna change in the next couple of years. Yeah. So we don't know what's going to happen with the space, but we know that it's going to always be something that we're going to use and need to use now, especially. Yeah, definitely. And also, do you think, you know, also you and I collaborated on the Threaded Year. Guys, the new Threaded Year is going to come out pretty soon. Don't stress. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. But you and I, I remember like hitting you up last and being like, yo, dude, like I'm fucking and tired of seeing the same shit. No offense to all the photos yeah. on Instagram, but most of them are doing the same shit. You know, everybody's doing street it's style. Everybody's keep, editing yeah. the same. Everyone is looking like it's looking like a giant hype beast, hype snobite. All those images, they, yeah. everything just seems so fucking the same. You know, we haven't, and I miss that era of photography where, you know, you're looking at a Vogue magazine or you're looking at GQ and you're looking at pictures that are so iconic they could be hanged as art in your house. And I look at most of these photo, um, sh- photos on Instagram and I think, no, this is cool, great content, but I don't look at it and be like, this is art. This is something I want to put up in my living room one yeah. day. You know, we used to have photographers like that, like old school pictures of Tupac, old school pictures yeah. of Madonna. See, but it's things I feel you like, only find once. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like we are actually missing those moments. I feel like people are just creating, even bloggers, you know, people are now just dressing well for the grams. Their style is influenced by the grams. Yeah. Photography is influenced by the grams. Everyone's shooting for the grams. Everyone seems to be doing everything creative for the grams. And a lot of real stuff is being missed in that, you know? I mean, even exhibitions, like you say, all those things that, that, that happen in a moment and you're not going to ever get back. Social media is about creating things for now and then it disappears in a few seconds. Yeah. So, I mean, it, in creating those things for now, exhibitions, I don't see as many photography exhibitions as I used to. The yeah. guys, it's, it, they're falling into, into this kind of cycle. It's about of, the likes, bro. It's about, it's about, it's about I want yeah. 3,000 likes and that's it. It's not about... It's not about long-lasting effects and long-lasting kind of imprints on people. Yeah. And also for me, the other craziest thing that I look at is that, I mean, I'm not going to mention any names and I'm going to be quoted for throwing shade, but I'm not throwing shade. This is a real discussion yeah. is that I even look at, actually, I look at the whole creative industry in general. Okay. So I look at the bloggers. Cool. Bloggers are having numbers now. Bloggers are hitting 20,000, 40,000, 80,000. Some are even hitting 100,000. Shout out to Aisha and Sarah Langa who are hitting 100,000. So bloggers are really becoming celebrities in a sense, yeah. creating huge followership, getting verified on Twitter. All those things are happening, right? And I look at the bloggers' content. It's still that street style stuff, still collaborating with clothing brands as per normal. I look at photographers, photographers like Cedric are doing really, really well. Yourself, you guys are shooting street style. You guys are shooting events. You guys are doing campaigns. Some are even being influencers in campaigns. Then I look at stylists, styling celebrities. I look at the whole creative industry and it's, it's more or less sort of, I wouldn't say the same, but more or less people are doing the same things in a different sort of stature on a different scene. Within their own sort of style, but the same kind of thing. But the same thing. And my question is, where is the industry going? 
There will come a time because I believe I'm already tired. I'm actually tired. I'm tired of how long are how long are influencers and photographers work with these brands? Are we going to keep shooting events forever? Are we going to keep doing outfit posts forever? Like, where are we going as an industry? You know, are photographers only going to be used as influencers? For me, I look at I look at a lot of guys. And I look at guys like Trevor, and I'm like, I need a book from you. You know, about your photography. I need a book. I want to see you shoot magazine covers. I mean, I've seen you as an influencer. I've seen you work for forefronts of brands, but I want to see you start building your business. Your you know what I'm saying? As a photographer, because yeah. I feel all of us in the creative industry, we're becoming too dependent on brands. We're becoming too dependent on brands. We're like, yeah, this brand hasn't used me for this, or this brand is using the wrong influencers, or Woolworths should have more black influencers, whatever. But at the end of the day, these brands are jack shit. We are the business. And so right now I'm looking at, you know, I think that's why my company has been able to grow so well because I have a team that wants to build a business. And so that's what forced me into looking at radio, forced me to looking at fashion shows and all these different types of things. But I look at all my other counterparts, creatives who I want to see do well. I want to see my counterparts doing well, but I'm afraid that they're not owning enough of their work because most of their work is for collaborations with brands, but they're not building anything that's original to them or they're not yeah. building any infrastructure. Yeah, and what happens if brands decide not to work with influencers anymore? The half of them, 90% of the industry would go broke because no one has built infrastructures to survive without the brands. It feels like the, 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 the industry is becoming too brand dependent. Well, that definitely. I mean, I, I think social media has, has driven that in a big way because it's about... You know, you're coming to them as, as your own brand, but at the same time as an influencer, you're coming to them with numbers. Here's a group of people that follow me that I have a connection with, and you're using that influencer theirs. Instead of us building businesses and building brands that other brands not only want to collaborate with, but want to work for us. Wanna, yeah. We want to use them to drive our own agendas and our own brands. So I think that's a big part that it's about building the business. It's about yeah. coming back to it and, and it not only being because it's about money. At the end of the day, it comes down to money. It comes down yeah. to you're doing these things because you can get paid from doing these things. Yeah. You're not only – and that's how brands use us. That brands are the ones who have the money. and Brands are the ones who are coming to the, the influencers and being like, I'm going to pay you so much and you're going to do this work for me. Yeah. Instead of building a business where those are your clients and not brands that are paying you. Yeah. Those are your and, business and partners. And even at that, I mean, I also, I also look at a lot of international influencers. One of the top influencers probably in the world is Cristiano Ronaldo. And I've seen his transition from seen as this Nike face, Nike sports guy, CR7 shoes. And now he's built his own brand, CR7, Yeah, where he's realizing that it's cool to get millions and hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars or whatever a month they're paying him from Nike. But he found it that it's important that if Nike had to drop me, I have my own brand yeah, and owning and owning my, my brand. Yeah. And even Michael Jordan, he owns the Jordan brand with Nike, yeah. you know, and a lot of young South Africans are doing such incredible work, but they're not actually going and owning their work. Yeah. Which creating is, your own things. Yeah. Which is a scary thing. So recently I went to Rwanda, Kigali um, I'm not going to dive so much into my trip Because some <laughs> of the things that happened I'm, I'm not allowed to say on radio But while I was there I also got a chance to to see the country um, It's during the genocide month um, Commemorating 23 years since genocide And going there, I mean I wasn't scared That anything was going to happen But I mean I was very conscious of what the country had been through And I was so anxious to see you know, How are the people, how are they rebuilding this country and wow, what an incredible country. I had a life-changing trip. I met up with local designers, local entrepreneurs, and it really shifted something in me. I had a really, really tough epiphany because 
one of the things that I got to do, I also got to meet with other Americans who are there from yeah. big firms like JP Morgan Chase. The UN has a lot of um, has a lot of reach in, in that side as well. So, and there's a lot of internationals, and I was just engaging with them in terms of business and speaking about them in terms of business and what's happening in Africa, where Africa is going. And one of the things that I realized is that as Africans. You know, before I went to Rwanda or even like Ethiopia or Sudan, you read in the fucking news how these countries are in wars, how things are shared, how things are underdeveloped. And I went there and these country and, and, and Rwanda, it's not like that. It's, yeah. like that. it's a fucking lie. And it's one the of the things, the, the broadcast yeah, I'm going to go on a fucking rant right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to get into a discussion about what I'm talking about is that as Africans, one of the toughest things that we have to realize and one of the realest things that we have to realize is that we have become brainwashed to believe that Western and European platforms are much better than us because the white person, when the white person colonized Africa and when apartheid happened more than us, you know, being abused in terms of the law and all these other things, but it killed us mentally because when we think the best, we think Ivy league, Ivy league is what American, when we think the best in whatever we think America or the, or Europe, Best designers, they're European or American. We never say best designer. Oh, African. And because we are living up to the Western standard of excellence and the Western standard of how to do things at a top level, we have become, we have also, we have sort of got into a space where we justify our excellence using those platforms. And what I discovered that this is all fucking branding. Ivy League is. is not, Ivy League universities are not actually the best universities in the world. They well, yeah. tell us that they're best universities in the world. Prime example is this. You get two big financial law firms, um, Goldman Sachs. Everyone knows what Goldman Sachs is. You get JP Morgan Chase. Part of those brands' two slogans is that they are the best financial company in the world. Each of them say that, but no one asks why. Right? When I say to you, the threaded man is the best fashion and lifestyle portal in the world. People question it. Yeah. You know, people question it. They say why. But no one will question a Western or European company. But then I asked those questions recently. I was like, okay, what makes JP Morgan Chase the best financial company in the world? Then I realized they're basing it off their assets. They're saying that they have the, 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 the most assets. Or, numbers and paper, what, yeah, they, what they can show. The numbers. Yeah. Then Goldman Sachs says that they are the best financial company in the world because of the amount of profit that their shareholders get. But why can't an African child build a financial firm that funds young entrepreneurs? And they too can say we are the best financial company in the world. Why? Because we fund the future of Africa. Africa so do you realize that the excellence that you seek is driven by your purpose? Not driven by the Western standard. And but as like Africa, you say, going, sorry, like you yeah, say, yeah. going back um, in, in, in that whole, and going back, um, this is in terms of the brainwash, going back all the way. I mean, we think about it in such a great thing. If you think about colonization, it, it's everything that's given to us. All these platforms, all these things that we think are really great are things that were given to us to be like, yeah, this is the best. Yeah. It was given to us to say, look, yeah, here's the best. Yeah. And there was money backing it. And, 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 and it's a struggle in, within Africa because as much as, we need to come to terms that we can create the best things for us and we can create the best things globally that stem from Africa. Yeah. There's still a backing, financial backing that a global market and, and Europe and America still kind of control in terms of how far you can push that limit. Yeah. And the guys who are making bucket loads of money in Africa are not keeping it and growing Africa. They, they have offshore accounts. They, you know, if they were saying if, if all the mining companies, um, that mine in Africa kept their, their money in Africa and through Africa, there'd be no hunger in Africa anymore. Yeah. 
all their money is offshore. All their money is yeah. filtering through other countries. So, I mean, all of those things also uh, add up to, to the struggle that Africa has in terms of creating our own businesses and our own content and all of those things. I mean, it's, it's multiple kind of elements that, that add up, but it still it comes back to, we need to take that stand and we need to be able to say, yeah. I'm going to build a firm. I'm going to open this firm and I'm going to make it the best in the world. Yeah. I think, I think most importantly for me is that as Africans, most of the time, especially as black Africans, even black South Africans, and I think this is something very serious as young people, we spend so much time pointing out how racist white people are. We spend so much time saying this white person needs to change. You know, white-owned companies need to have more yeah. black people. We keep saying white people need the, need to do this and need to do that and need to change this and they need to be like this. But we actually forget that it can actually start with us. There's a famous Rumi quote where it says, I was clever, so I wanted to change the world, but then I became wiser and I wanted to change myself. And in changing yourself as African creatives is instead of saying, oh, House of Teo needs to be on Vogue, it's about how do we build an African Vogue ourselves? We, yeah. I hear this talk all the time about how Vogue should now bring a Vogue Africa. I'm like, fuck that. We should build our own publication that's going to be better than Vogue. And we don't need Vogue to tell us that it's good. I mean, do, do, point, yeah, do you get I, what I'm saying? That, is that we need to time, start building that, our own platforms. I know that, that you, when you're using established platforms, I mean, Vogue has that space where they have that name and they have that, that reputation that, that, that is Vogue. And bringing an African Vogue steps in a certain way gives Africa an, a platform that's already established. Yeah. Because if you think about it, if you're starting something that you want to create your own Vogue, it takes time. Vogue's been around for more than a, a century. Yeah. I, I have a book that's 100 years of Vogue. Now 125 now. So, I mean, you, you see how long that, that takes for that thing. And, I mean, uh, there's some countries that are still kind of coming out of certain places in Africa. Yeah. Uh, our, uh, South Africa ourselves, we're still also struggling to, to find our place in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to to – we want that, and I know it's, we need that, but it's also something that's going to take a long time. And I think people yeah. – and with social media and everything, going back to that, it's that now thing. It's that, that quick people gratification. Want it now. Yeah, people but want I it think, now. But I think we should build it, you know. Definitely. And I'm, I think, totally you know, is that I – I mean, of course I realize that like Vogue magazine has got the establishment, it's got the money, it's got the industry in its hand, but that's it's not – It's us to create that. But yeah. for me, the vision I have for Threaded Man is that I want to build it into bigger than Vogue in Africa, you know, because – for me, it's about owning our content. It's about yeah. owning our narrative. And when you have a Vogue magazine coming into Africa, you have an international brand giving us a platform. It's great. We've got a platform. But that stays still in Europe. That stays in, in Europe. Yeah. The money goes to Europe. The narrative is still controlled by Europeans. And we know we never really own that content. Yeah. It's so, created by us. Yeah. And as Africans, I mean, also, someone had to sit and be like, oh, let me start Vogue. Someone actually sat yeah. and started Vogue from scratch with no money. Do you get what I'm saying? We can't look at these big firms and say, oh, they're so big. It must be so hard. When you sit down and you think about it, everything in the world started as a simple idea that putting had in the no time, money. Putting in the effort, yeah. putting in the time, and putting in the effort. And I remember I was sitting um, in Kigali with the guys from J.P. Morgan from Wall Street, and I'm talking to them about these American companies and the culture of Wall Street. And these guys were like, "Dude, everything that you see in the world is about branding." You know, these companies are actually not the best. The people in these companies are actually not the best. We sit and we see these billionaires. We sit and we yeah. see all these billionaires and we think, oh my God, they're probably the most intelligent people in the world. We think they've got the answers to everything. But these guys are like, actually, dude, trust me, you as Siabeile are better than 30% of, 30% or even 50% of the, these billionaires that we meet. And so that goes back to that whole African thing is that when we see someone have more money than us or is in Wall Street that is seen as the most Influential market in the world We already think that we are not that best You know yeah. For example I made a, a stupid example 
of something that I had said when I was in varsity. I said when I was in varsity, listen, I'm going to drop out of varsity. I'm going to build this company called Threaded Man and it's going to change Africa. And someone laughed at me and was like, oh my God, you think dropping out is a good idea? I'm like, yeah, look at Mark Zuckerberg. And they were like, see, the difference between you and Mark is that Mark Zuckerberg went to an Ivy League. Because immediately yeah, but, they made okay, me feel like you that, okay. that I, was not, I was not good enough because I didn't go to an Ivy League. And I think that's the battle of the African child. You know, you sitting in the office, you know, you get told, hey, Ricardo, this is so-and-so. They went to Oxford or Harvard. Immediately the mood changes. You see them better than you. Yeah. You don't think that actually that's just a title that they carry, that they it's went just, to Harvard. doesn't person, mean they're yeah. better. It's just an actual person and that you are also capable of performing at the same level, even Definitely, not better. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's people that uh, have like yourself dropped out of school and done amazing things and are intellectually and brilliant and have never studied I mean Einstein was dyslexic at a stage yeah most always, um, before he passed uh, <laughs> but I mean it, it's it, those things and they are they titles and those things who they, they give you elevation they open you up to certain spaces I mean anybody who's um, a trust fund kid or went to uh, Oxford or went to Harvard or yeah. UCT I mean the, you already have a space that's open up for you that's there when yeah. you don't have those things you have to work a lot harder to to acquire that space which is yeah. the tricky thing I mean maybe that's why people see it as a, you you a little bit lesser because you have to you start a lot further back yeah, doesn't which, mean you less in terms of which makes else. you better it because you, you face so you're many starting challenges. the race a little yeah. bit further back. They got a head start on you, but you can still achieve the same thing that they're achieving and better. Yeah. But it just means you have to work a little harder to catch up that ground. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I also I, feel the same way. Yeah, and I feel the same way. People also look at not only if if someone has more money than you, and they look at that. It's if you look at social media and people are like, oh, they have three hundred thousand followers what are they doing they're better than me what there's something that they're doing exactly. that i'm not doing so i mean even in that space it's people are still looking at like this they have more than i have they have and a if you think about it who set up the senate the west and the europeans because yeah. social instagram all these special companies that we use that tell us who's better you know and who's not better it's all based on westernized systems you For know sure, the definitely. billboard 100 for example is a, is, is a western so when an african like black coffee is on that list we're like oh my god he's finally made big, it yeah that's where thing. i feel it's like kind of black coffee has made it before the long, ago, no, black long coffee was you know what i'm there, saying yeah. like there's certain there's certain musicians we'll never see and they will never see gum music on billboard 100 yeah. but it doesn't mean it's not world best it doesn't mean that it's not good but we're using all these western titles to the say someone has, has made it yeah. you know what i'm saying and i mean I'm not saying Western standards are not better or not good. It's just that we need to recognize that, yes, the West has got these huge platforms that have the numbers, that have world influence. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we can't build our own. And doesn't know? mean we don't have it already. And we need some of us to be brave enough to build their own. You know, like I look at, for example, the comedy industry. I look at Trevor Noah. He's on The Daily Show. What an incredible platform. He's on Time Magazine. He's everywhere. But then you look at the Goliaths. You look at the Goliaths who've built a platform. Yeah, they've who, built everything that's their own. Yeah. Exactly. They built the Goliath Comedy Club. They're now on Destiny, on the Destiny cover where for them, it's not about going to be this plat on these platforms and being owned by Americans. But for them, I'm not saying Trevor's owned by Americans, by the way. I'm just saying is that they took a different take on it. They were like, you know what? Let's actually build this, the African comedy Scene, yeah. you know, they put the com Galat Galat Comedy Club. They have a show now. They're on Comedy Central, so they're doing quite incredible number of work. Finding the opportunities that you can take. Yeah, and, yeah, and and building the platform. And I think that's the thing about Africans is that if you're an African right now, and you are in varsity, university, whatever it is that you're doing, I challenge you to not just go out and seek another job for another company. Build a platform. I think. Africans are brilliant. You are a genius. I think that you can make it. I think that you are clever. There's nothing stopping you 
from building your own. And I know the fear is there that yeah, you have to compete with all people. these big companies. You have to compete with all these big personalities and whatnot. But build. I'm telling you, build. Building is so important. I look at our company. I mean, the Threaded Man right now is five years old. And that's the fears that I face every single day. You know you know how yeah. we are, Ricardo. Okay. We have bigger agencies trying to take us down. We've got agencies that don't want to pay us for two months. There's all these things that try to destroy what we do. But because of the purpose and because we love what we do, we prevail, you know. And the underlining drive that just keeps you going. You yeah, to, and the world just doesn't want to see the African child progress, you know. And we just have to fight through that. We have no, to fight definitely. through that. But Ricardo, what's next for you? What is what is next? What is um, the next frontier for you? Or where is? Let me ask you this: Where do you think photography is going? I think right look, now. Look, I'll, I'll answer that in 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 two parts. Yeah. In, I think photography is on the up and up. Um, I think it's always been. There's a new space with with technology and social media that has 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 it growing in a certain direction. Um, I still think that the old ways need to be brought back in terms of of shooting for print in a way that you're shooting for an image that's going to last forever. It's yeah. you're shooting once. You're not shooting multiple to have a variety. You're shooting a great image and a single great image that's going to kind of impact millions of people. So I think photography is. It's definitely growing in two parts. It's growing in terms of what we see uh, digitally, um, in terms of manipulation, in terms of um, moving things. I mean, you've seen these new photo flex kind of things happening on social media where yeah. it's a single still <laughs> image, but something's moving. I mean, so I mean, those elements are, are growing photography in a certain direction in terms of, I mean, we're going to have holographic stuff in the future and, you know, stuff like that where photography and, and visual elements are still going to play a role. But at the same time, I think photography on a base level needs to still be stepped up. There's still space for um, education within photography. There's still yeah. space for um, new ideas to grow within photography. And there's so much that's happened in the space of photography that people always think like, and it's a thing that happens often that nothing is new. Yeah. Everything's always, it's been done. If you think about it, it's been done. Yeah. And I don't believe that. I feel like there's still things that to be, to happen and to be done that have never happened before. Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of space in photography to grow on a social level, on a digital level, on a technology level and impacting the world. I think it's still a great space for people to impact the world. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's amazing. Wow. And, um, is photography a viable, Business in South Africa? Is it possible to form a company and be a photographer? It is. Um, I think the trickiest spot we face in South Africa is copyright laws. So we're one of three countries in the world that when a client pays you, they own the photos. In every other country in the world besides, I think it's us in I forget the third one. But um, if all the other countries, a photographer always owns their work. They get paid royalties on everything that they use, everything that's... that's so, for are. example, if you shot a campaign for The Threaded Man, even though we have paid you, you'd still own the usage of that image. In another country. In another country, yeah. if you're in America, for in example. In if you paid me for those, those are yours. So, Mario Testino owns all these magazine covers. Basically, he owns all the rights to these images. So, what Because you, you can sell... The thing is, you can sell those rights in the States. And you obviously, they pay more if you're selling the rights to... And then they can oh, use it. Oh, for them to yeah. But initially, you own those rights. In South Africa, there's none of that. There's none of that discussion in terms of, I'm selling you rights. It's you paying me for a job, and then those images are yours. Wow. So, it's I mean, it's tricky in that space, and there's guys fighting that battle for us. But 
Everybody, I think everybody needs to get involved with that. Everybody also needs to keep on people that are using their images for things that they didn't sign up for. They didn't. They gave you something and they gave you an image, but you're using it for other elements. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that it's hard to police within within the country. So, in terms of photography, without that, um, I still think there's a lot of space to grow. I'm currently with an agency that's. Um, Pro melanin, so within the, the advertising industry, um, yeah. which is a big thing. I mean, a lot of the guys in the advertising industry are still white guys that are kind of owning the space within photography yeah. and directing and videography, uh, cinematography. So, um, so I mean, it's it's nice to see that happening as well. So I think yeah. that's a big element in it to see the growth in in photography within um, African people. It's just having platforms and having agents and having things that grow it in a space that it allows it to bloom. I mean, there's so much money in photography right now. There's yeah. a lot of Money and spaces to be to, but to as you said, that money is being eaten by white people. <laughs> but, but also, where do you see also local photographers going international? Do you think we will have our own Mario Testinos that shoot for Vogue and those platforms? I mean, I, I do. Uh, however, they all stay in the States, they all stay in London, they all stay in New York. I mean, there's a lot of photographers from SA that have moved over to kind of to allow to get that space. Yeah. Because here, I mean, the biggest career you can have is in, in advertising and commercial space. I mean, you get paid the most, you're getting the most, doing the most creative work within that space. Yeah. Our magazine industry here is nothing like it is in the States. Yeah. Completely. If they spend as much money as they do in commercial spaces and the editorial space, we would have the most amazing editorials because we have the content. We have everything is here for us to use already. We're just not being given the budgets or anything to create those things yeah. within our space. And I even I can even say on our end, I mean, with the threaded man, I mean we've done groundbreaking work so far. But you know that we wanna always push it to be better. Yeah, and people don't understand the consumers is that guys People don't want to give us budget. Like brands don't want to spend budget on creating good work. They want to get, they want to pay us cheap for more. Yeah, and sometimes it's about more, not about the, the time. Yeah, and 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 yeah. recently we started working on a project called. I'm not going to mention the name of the project, but we wanted to grow across Africa, showcasing these countries in such a beautiful way, and creating the best content. And we charged. You know, part of a fee was charging mostly because we want to take drones there and like hire yeah. all this equipment there. And literally, the brand was like, no. Um, we want to pay you half the things. price, but we want the same vision. And we're like, you don't understand. You thinking we're pocketing all this money, but production actually it's yeah. production and production they just don't want to pay for that quality of work. And then again, the, the consumers turn around and be like, what shit quality is this? And we're like, we are here wanting to do the yeah. best. It's just that the brands don't think the market is good enough to spend that amount of money. Yeah. You know, when you look at editorial teams in the States, Annie and Mario and all of them, like, they a million have, dollars a shoot. Can you, you know imagine? That for a cover, you know, you have this big budget to put a cover and, and, a, and an editorial piece together, and then you hear and you're like, people want to shoot advertising campaigns, and they won't even spend a hundred. So you know, yeah, they want to use fifty k. Yeah, and, so, I mean, and fifty k is not a lot so, of so, shoot a campaign. Well, it's just okay. I mean, we're also in a space where we we. It's hard to get those budgets because those budgets aren't always available. Yeah, which is true. So, yeah. Which is true. So, I mean, it, it's up to us to also think creatively within that space and find solutions for things that we want to create. And it's about that. Yeah. I think more than anything in Africa, because we don't have that space. As much as we can complain about it and we want those things and we want to have budgets to do this and that, we don't have it right now. So we need to kind of think creatively within that space. And how can I achieve that? Or my with own what I've vision got. with what I've got. Yeah. And I also think in general, you know, just also just returning from Rwanda is that we've got, as as creatives as well, we tend to just sit, especially as African creatives, we tend to just get caught up in our own countries. 
and we can collaborate with other Africans, you know, to make our content more interesting, to make it more creative. I mean, yeah. I was in Kigali, the locations are beautiful. We could literally leave South Africa and go there and shoot a campaign. We don't need a visa to go there. You get a visa on arrival. The currency is cheap. You can literally do anything. So there's also those barriers, I think, as Africans that we need to cross is that actually we need to work more together and explore yeah. each other's countries explore and cultures, yeah. explore the continent because that will then give our work more depth, give our work more meaning and also just resonate across Africa, I think. And that's the thing, building the platform. If you look at America, it's, a, it's this huge space that everybody's working together. Yeah. Africa is a bigger space. Why is it not everybody? And it's hard. I mean, it's, it's Africa and it's, we all know the, all the things that are happening across the continent. So it's, yeah. it's hard for everything to come together, especially if that unity is not happening in a single country. Exactly. So, I mean, and it's up to us as, as creatives and, and photographers and cinematographers and directors to go beyond that space as business owners to find avenues within Africa that we can grow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. Cool. In closing, I always tell my guests when they come on the show that they have to give a word of motivation. It's a Monday. So Monday what motivation. words do you have for young photographers who are either studying or in high school? They want to pursue this thing as a career. They're feeling uninspired. Ricardo Marcus Snipe, how can you inspire them? Motivational Monday. Um, don't confine yourself. Don't ever confine yourself. If you think that there's something that you want to do, but there's so many limitations to how you can do it, don't yeah. ever confine that thinking. Always find a solution. If as, as a creative, you're a problem solver. You're finding solutions to problems that are there. And I mean, we're creatives in all spaces, but uh, don't ever confine yourself to a limitation. And I say this in, in two ways because I know that as creatives, we, we kind of, we have no limits and we shouldn't have limits to be creative. But we need to have boundaries in order to funnel that creativity in a certain space. So, yeah. I mean, your limitations need to be set. You need to set your own boundaries in terms of where you want to deliver your creative message and how you want to deliver it and what means you're going to use to deliver it. But in terms of that thinking, don't ever confine the thinking to, I'm a photographer and I can only shoot this because I can only get to that. Yeah. Create it yourself. Like you said from the beginning, it's if you want something, create it yourself and make it yourself and make it your own. And that's a part of that whole thing and making it your own and not confining yourself. Yeah. And I think my motivation adding on top of that is that you can do it. You can actually, guys, I know this sounds like a cliche and I know a lot of people, yes, you can do it. Yes, you can change the world. But I'm actually telling you right now, you can change the world. And stop complicating that you don't have enough money or you don't have enough resources to do what you want to do. And chances, do right now. chances are you'll never get the resources while you're sitting down and waiting for them. You are the resource. You are the light. We, we keep saying to people, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And we forget that there's actually light in the, tunnel. the light is with inside you. You are that light. You can change the world and you can change the world by doing what you love and being true to yourself. And to do that, you don't need money because there are tons of people with millions of money who don't have a purpose. And they're actually so depressed. You don't need money to be happy. You don't need money to do your purpose. Follow your purpose. Start somewhere. You don't have the best camera. Start with the camera that's on your, that's on your, your that's phone. on your phone. You don't yeah. have the best website. Use WordPress. You don't have access to internet. Go find a cafe. You know, there's a lot of things that we do not have. And unfortunately, the world doesn't care. No one cares about your dreams. No one cares about what you need. It yeah. needs to start with you. You must care about what you need and you must fight for what you need. And what you need is to be your true, authentic self. And trust me, no amount of money, no amount of value can ever be placed on that. Because once you start to change yourself and once you start to believe in yourself, 
that's when you start to change the world around you. This is the Thread Exchange. I'm Sia Bongabile. Ricardo Marcus Knight, thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, yeah. And today I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to end the, 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 the podcast with a, with a nice song called Bounce Back. And I think it's about time that Africa bounces, <laughs> bounces back. back. Worse, worse. Last night took a L, but tonight I bounce back. Boy, I've been broke as hell. Cliffcentral.com.